now time for our next speaker. Please welcome Vita I from Los Angeles, who will share for 20 minutes on the emotional recovery aspect of compulsive overeating. Thank you. Hi, my name is Vita. I am a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and restrictor. <sighs> I am so grateful to be here today and also feeling very emotional. So kind of kismet that I am sharing on emotional recovery. Um, the fact that I have emotions today and a connection to my emotional life is emotional recovery. Um, and so just to get kind of my basics out of the way, um, I came to OA when I was 23, almost 24 years old. Um, I just turned 31, so I've been here for seven years. Um, my abstinence is no binging, purging, or restricting. I am probably 50 or 60 pounds down from my top weight, which um, I hit in program. I hit my bottom in program. And in January, I celebrated five years of abstinence. So I have not been abstinent the entire time I've been here. Um, and I'm also probably about like five or 10 pounds up from my bottom weight when I was starving myself and all of that. Um, and part of the reason I, I felt so emotional just, and thank you, Ella and Oray for your shares. Um, and sorry about the beeping truck in my alley, if anyone can hear that, is that the fact that I owe my life to this program, truly. I too, in my bottom, which was in the rooms of OA, well, I had come to the rooms of OA, but I was not frequenting them for a couple months. I gained um, 50 pounds in a month and a half and I didn't wanna live anymore. And uh, I can't believe the life that I get to live today because of the 12 steps and because of finding first physical recovery. Um, and for me, like the speaker before me, you know, it's a three-legged stool and I can't really have any of them without the other two. But emotional recovery has been the hardest component of recovery for me. Um, I reconnected to a spiritual essence that I feel I had since childhood pretty early in recovery and the physical part of it, once I got abstinent, once I like stopped trying to do it my way, um, was not that hard for me either. Kind of, it kind of just the weight came off a lot more slowly than I was used to. But I, it wasn't a struggle for me, and I didn't have to keep a huge eye on it. Um, it just happened over time by eating three meals a day. And so, what part of my emotional recovery is that I this is my first program um, OA, but I am now in four twelve-step programs because I needed a lot of help with the emotional component of being an addict and the destructive nature that it had to my relationships. Um, and so I go to other programs that have really transformed um, my, relationship, my relationships in, in a way that I personally was not able to find in OA. Um, but that type of honesty with myself that I need help um, is emotional recovery that I found in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. I 
before I was in recovery, I could not acknowledge needing help. If I needed help, I felt so ashamed of the fact that I couldn't do it myself to the extent of like, when people asked me how I was doing, I would tell them I was amazing when I was miserable and hated my life. So um, that's been a big component for me. And, and if I have time, maybe I'll talk a little bit what my relationships look like today. But I really do want to focus on the emotional recovery I gained in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, Anonymous in particular. And um, so what sent me into my bottom once I had already come to OA, um, where I no longer wanted to live was a breakup. And I had made this other person my higher power. And in recovery, in the last five years, I have gone through two breakups and I've stayed abstinent. So that's part of the emotional recovery that I was able to find um, through, I've done the 12 steps in OA twice. Um, and I now get to take amazing women through them and, and see their growth and recovery. And I think a, a few of them are on this meeting today. And helping another compulsive eater brings me more joy than most other things in my life. Um, I also learned to be rigorously honest, so I don't have secrets today. I tell someone, and usually more than one person, everything. Um, because that's part of what keeps me sick. And when I have secrets, I can't tolerate myself after a while. When I'm engaging in behaviors that make me feel bad about who I am, and eventually I will turn to the food to deal with those feelings. And so part of my story is that I shoplifted quite a bit. And it's not a coincidence that the last time I broke my abstinence, a little over um, five years ago, was also the last time that I stole. So this is where I learned to not only be cash, cash register honest, but just honest in general. Like the thoughts that I have that I don't want to tell anyone, the feelings that I have, all of those things are things that I learned to do in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Another thing that is 100% because of the recovery that I found in these rooms is that I was able to graduate college. It took me nine years to graduate college and I failed out multiple times. I don't like probably five, I don't really know. Um, I went to multiple schools and this was after um, almost being the valedictorian of my high school, which also I wasn't because of my eating disorder. Um, and when I did finally graduate college at the last school I graduated with straight A's. So I just, without this recovery, I actually was like a non-functional human being, basically, especially towards the end before I got into recovery. And so I learned how to delay gratification. I learned that like, basically college is like a rite of passage and I have to do all this work over all of these years to get a slip of paper that maybe is gonna qualify me for something else farther down the line. That's not something I could do before I was in recovery. You know, as an addict, I want what I want and I want it now. And I didn't want to have to do the work or I also had to deal with my perfectionism. And that was part of my emotional recovery. And through steps uh, six and seven, like looking at how my perfectionism made my life unmanageable um, in that 
if I couldn't assure myself that I was going to get a straight A or an A on a paper or something like that, I just didn't show up for the exam or write the paper when I, before I was in recovery. Um, and I put all my self-worth on the outside. And so in a way, I started gaining self-worth on the inside. Um, other parts of what I gained in emotional recovery in this program are things like um, the last day that I wasn't abstinent was the day that my cousin tragically drowned in a kayaking accident. And actually, um, I was in OI when this happened, and I was in San Francisco and I saw her, and I went to an OA meeting before I saw her in San Francisco, um, and that was the last time I saw her. And she was a, a light, and even though I was older than her, I saw this, this girl and I wanted to be like her, um, and I was so unhappy with my life. And after she died, I've been abstinent since that day because I saw that I couldn't honor her memory by being the reason that I didn't want to live because of my behavior with food when this like lovely woman didn't get to live out the rest of her life. Her time came really early. She was, I think, like 24, 25 years old. Um, and it was heartbreaking, but I went through that grief abstinently feeling my feelings. Another really big thing that happened to me since I got into recovery in a way is that my own health really fell apart to the extent that um, I almost had to drop out of school even though I was really excelling. I um, could hardly think or speak sometimes because my brain fog was so bad my body would be like begging me to stop walking around my campus and I would literally have to just put one foot in front of the other. Um, and I stayed in recovery through that. And I, my health is not by any means like what the health of an average 31 year old is today. But um, through also the development of a relationship with a higher power and what this program has taught me in living one day at a time, I got to stop feeling like a victim because of that. And it's still hard sometimes. It, it is. Like, it still feels unfair sometimes. But I also have gotten to see how the hardest things in my life have been my biggest teachers and how what I was doing in very early recovery when I was still pretty much trying to do it my way and before I maintained, like, long-term abstinence, um, was running myself into the ground. That's how I stayed abstinent, was just being busy all the time. From as soon as I woke up, I would do a very short prayer and meditation, and then it was Vita off to her own races and her own will for the rest of the day till I hit the pillow and passed out. Um, my body gave out, and I didn't know I had like a lot of chronic issues um, and infectious issues that um, I'll just say like started with Lyme disease and, and went from there because I was undiagnosed. And um, through that, I had to learn how to sit with discomfort, like truly sit with discomfort, discomfort, not only of my physical body, like not being under my control anymore, um, and how 
much that didn't feel fair early in recovery. Like I just got my life back. I just got abstinent. I'm a functional human being again. And now my body won't, won't show up with me the way that I want to show up. And then I had to learn to sit with the emotional discomfort around that of like, I don't get to have a normal life still or what I perceive to be a normal life. Um, and that is still something, you know, it's a process for me today, but it's something that through the 12 steps and gaining emotional recovery, like I, I slowly have learned how to do. Um, and, and it's got to evolve over time, but in my early OA recovery, like that was one of the things that in some ways was a gift because if my body hadn't given it out, I wouldn't have had to learn to sit with myself and not be able to busy myself through life. I wouldn't have to deal with like comfort, discomfort direct on and bring that to a power greater than myself to be able to deal with it. Um, and that today, to this day is a huge gift, you know, and, and that I see a lot of people struggle with when they're able to keep running their lives that way. And it's not what I would have chosen for myself. I still don't want to have the health challenges that I do. But again, like I see, I can see a bigger picture now. They're formative for who I am today. I would not be who I am without the challenges that I've had. So, um, you know, that's something that's just been huge for me, and I'm, I'm really grateful for it on my good days. Um, other early emotional recovery for me looked like the willingness to take direction and try something that someone else told me worked for them, even if it didn't make sense to me, even if I didn't understand it. Like, like I said, um, in the beginning of my recovery, like I, I would get a few months or I think the longest I got was seven months and um, it was doing it my way. You know, I like took what I liked and left the rest to an extreme extent, which looked like not really working the steps, which looked like exercising five times a week, but only not really committing to even three meetings a week, not making all the outreach calls. It was suggested for me to make. It was like, I did enough that I, my life wasn't a mess anymore. And I was, I was staying in school and doing well and all of that, but I wasn't able to keep long-term abstinence doing it that way. So, you know, a little close to five and a half years ago, when, when this, when my cousin died and this abstinence started, I, I got a new sponsor and she comes from AA and you know, it was very different than, than the initial sponsorship I had. And I needed that kind of like, this is what you're going to do. And I was so resentful. I remember saying to my outside help, like I was living in Long Beach at the time and she wanted me to come up to Los Angeles for meetings every weekend. And I was just like, how dare she did it, you know? And, um, my outside help was like, you only have to do this for right now. You know, it's, you're not committing to this for the rest of your life, one day at a time. Right. And so I was willing to do that. And, um, and I did a 90 and 90. I decided to do a 90 and 90 to start my abstinence. Um, cause, cause I just knew that's what I needed. You know, I, I really needed to, like we heard before, be in the middle of the herd and, uh, doing and just really showing up was different for me. That wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't doing it my way anymore. 
but guess what? Not doing it my way. Well, now I have over five years of abstinence and now it is my way because now I'm living a way of life that I truly want to live. Like I said, my life is a miracle. I can't believe the life that I get to live today. So another big thing for me in, um, in my disease was when people canceled plans with me, I could not handle it. I could not handle it. All my esteem was external. I didn't even know what inner esteem was. And I learned to get canceled on and stay abstinent. And I know that may not seem like a big thing, but it's like anything that didn't go my way in life, you know, was reason enough to not be abstinent. And, um, you know, that was, that was like one of those little things that I had to learn to like be uncomfortable with to stay abstinent. Um, I also learned to bring other people into my struggles, right? To not try and do life alone. Doing it my way didn't work. Doing it my way before recovery didn't work. I, I had to save my rear end instead of my face. Like I, that's really what I had to do. I had to be willing to ask other people for help instead of just trying to do it all myself. You know, like, and, and what I learned was, and what our literature says is that life wasn't meant to be done alone. Maybe that's why we couldn't stay abstinent before we had other people to help us do it. Um, but I felt so much shame for so long about acknowledging that I needed help. To me, needing help meant that there was something wrong with me, basically. Like that is what my disease had told me. And so that was part of my emotional recovery was like, I need help. Like, will you help me? You know, reaching out to other people, making a phone call, even when I didn't really know this person and felt like I was bothering them, like putting my ego aside enough to just be like, I need help and I need to reach out and I'm not responsible for how this other person is going to take me calling them. Um, you know, so it was like things like that. And then even things like before I was in recovery, I was not able to be intimate with someone without being intoxicated because I felt so much shame about my body, even at my lower weights. And I don't know how much I weigh today because I haven't weighed myself in probably three or more years. I don't know. Um, but through recovery in a way, like I started getting comfortable enough with my body that I didn't have to be intoxicated to be intimate with another human being. And that's how I was able to actually form true partnerships with other people as well. Because to be intimate with someone and, and actually have true intimacy, you can't really be intoxicated and, and develop that, right? So like that was a big thing for me too. Um, and And things like being able to feel sad and joy in the same day, you know, like those are things that I started experiencing earlier in recovery. Um, and today, like that's just part of my daily experience. And to an extent that like I'm amazed around today. And, and I know part of that is, you know, through seeking outside spiritual development, which is a big part of my practice, as well as my other programs that help me with um, my human relationships and my relationship with myself, I did need to go to other programs to stop talking to myself badly internally. I still had a really mean inner voice when I was in OA, um, but that was my maturity in acknowledging I need help. I need more help. Um, 
And today, like, I have a very loving inner dialogue and I have an amazing relationship with a higher power. And most of my human relationships, I, I guess all of my human relationships have been healed. And so it's like through the 12 steps that I, all of this has happened for me and none of this was possible for me before OA. Before OA, what was possible for me was getting to a point where I gained 50 pounds in a month and a half and didn't want to live anymore. So I really hope that my story gives someone else the hope to keep coming back. Even if you're struggling, I didn't get it right away either. But if you stick around and you really do try, the miracle can happen for you too. So I'm really grateful to be here and I look forward to hearing um, our other speakers and from the group as a whole later on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vita.